Did you see Alex Hales get hit in a gnats twice? I did, and I really hope you don't edit that out. I think you should open it. Uh, open the podcast with that. Just have the opening bit instead of the hello and welcome. Just did you see Alex Hales get hit in the gnats twice? And then it goes goes into the opening theme song. Hello and welcome to Demise or Surprise. England have had another test batting collapse, only the rain stopped them from going 1-0 down to India and, well, it's all the hundreds fault. Nothing else, just a two-week-old competition. Um, my name is Kit and Matt is with me as per. Matt, it's all the hundreds fault, isn't it? Um, I t- Stop blaming the hundred for everything. It's a great competition how the tables have turned no um i was being sarcastic which i should just clarify and so it was, was i definitely wasn't <laughs> <laughs> definitely wasn't obvious on either front but yeah we're gonna talk today about the hundred in the context of other formats in particular test cricket and the england team after they had their 472nd batting collapse in the last year and there's been a lot of conversation about the schedule being a problem with that. There's so much white ball cricket in the middle of the year. And we'll talk about that and where the 100 fits into this big problem for England's Red Bull team. But Matt, you were actually at the test match on day one. So you, you were in the flesh for some of England's substandard batting. What do you think of it all? It's pathetic, um, to be honest. There's, there's a few people, you know, saying selection this, selection that. It, it's a it's a deep-rooted problem. The techniques uh, are just appalling. We don't have anyone who can actually block a ball. When J- Jimmy Anderson was is probably in our top four defensive players, which probably says a lot. The whole basics of the game are just not there in anyone apart from Root. Um, and even then, last summer some before mm. he was still fiddling a little bit with his but it's just how hard is it to just have a basic technique and that comes down to count the domestic game if you ne- if you neglect the domestic game for years you're not going to produce good enough test players and we're seeing that yeah you know it's just we're seeing it with spinners as well but batting is the biggest biggest issue with that um that's the only explanation for how they're coming through with all these bizarre techniques and just, I mean, there are other problems as well. I mean, obviously, the reason for the neglect of the county is they cram all the games in April, May when pitches are terrible. But even more so, to go in that undercooked, which, I mean, they always go in undercooked, but they've never been in this undercooked, and that's where the 100 comes in. I've never known literally two net sessions before a test match, and that's it, having not played any red ball for ages. Butler did what was undoubtedly the worst, the most uncomfortable to watch innings the first innings yeah yeah the dark ever seen every it was just excruciating and a lot of that does you know you hadn't hit a red ball in six months it was appalling really that it's, it's come to that it was just it was almost a relief when he got out and yeah i mean the hundred because they've been promoting that it was literally just their tactic was hopefully it's all right on the day and it wasn't I say it's a long-term problem, though. We can't be like, oh, the hundred <laughs> is to blame for this because it's it's years of neglect. But the hundred is going to 
just amplify that. And, and you said last week about the hundred improving or alternatively ruining England's teams, like for each format. Well, it's not going to help the test team, is it, if they're going to go in that undercooked? We talked about many of the white ball perspective this week, so it'd be good to talk about the other side of the coin today. To your point, Butler hadn't played a first-class match since the Chennai test back in February. Bairstow also hasn't played since the India series. Pope, Roots, Lawrence, no first-class cricket since the New Zealand series earlier this summer. And if you take out the openers in the first test against India that's just gone, our top eight, so number three to number eight effectively, had only faced six balls of first-class cricket between them since the New Zealand series. So not many red balls being hit at the moment, is there, Matt? But you... You've written about this before, before the 100 started, it was earlier this summer, outlining this kind of long-term decline of England's test match batting and how, how its causes go deeper than just players not being good enough. Do you want to give us a, a flavour of what that article was about? Yes, uh, thank you for the plug. Um, Shameless. To read it, it's on Gorilla Cricket in May, uh, entitled uh, County Championship Scheduling Risk. Uh, sorry. County Championship scheduling risks leaving England short of options, and that's putting it mildly. Um, I think the best example I can give is the analogy I always use is 2009 Ashes. Um, Bapara had lost it. He was getting dropped after the fourth test. There was no debate. The debate was simply over who comes in, Treskovic or Ramprakash possibly, um, who were the, doing outstanding in, in the county championship that season, or the other, which they went for, uh, and the rest is history, Jonathan Trott, who was averaging 80 that season for Warwickshire, because they had concurrent games in, you know, in August, so they had people sort of match ready. Not only was it the domestic game flourishing, which in itself makes the, the step up um, a bit easier to bridge, but also, as I say, it was going on at the same time, so you could do that. Instead, we went to the India game with no one match ready. And it's the same principles. I got, um, And then you go to the 2019 Ashes, which is a sign of this long-term decline. I mean, we lost it. You can go for a number of reasons. Opening Jason Roy is, is never, I mean, going to be okay. They'll never make that right. But um, ultimately, after the third test, obviously Stokes did his miracle. But we got bowled out for 67 in the first innings. And that was the third time that year. In, that was the third time in seven tests that we'd been bowled out for double figures, which is just, I mean, put a county in international cricket and they probably wouldn't even do that. Middlesex uh, maybe, but apart yeah. from that, yeah. Yeah, Middlesex are special. But after that, they knew they needed to do a big overhaul and, um, you know, apparently some people did, some didn't. But regardless, they didn't, they didn't do it because between July 17th and September the 9th, there was just one full round of county championship fixtures, so they couldn't call up Sibley or Crawley. Say it just would have been well, they could and should have done because they'd still been better than Roy and Bairstow was so out of Nick, Butler was so out of Nick, but they just didn't. If there'd been pressure from on the places, they could have done it and maybe it'd improved performance, but they just couldn't do it because you'd have been calling up someone not match ready, and it's the same principles and problems that we've seen now going this mentality that they always go in undercooked and it's getting worse and that's where the hundred comes in how this was the most undercooked they've ever been and that is ultimately yeah 
to do with trying to cram in the 100. Nine rounds of the county championship from, this is this season, sorry. We've had from early April to early June-ish, there were nine rounds of the county championship crammed in. Two rounds were in July, which was good, but then those were the only two rounds until the 30th of August. So none of them are really playing first-class cricket at the moment and haven't for, for a number of weeks, or it's been very minimal if they have played. The 100 is only going to make this worse. There's There was no 100 in 2019, and it was still a problem back then. So how do you see the impact the 100 is going to have? Do you think it's just going to make it even more extreme, if that's possible? Yep, because that's where, I mean, they've put, they've, as we've talked about, they've bet the farm, so they've got to put all their eggs in that basket. So, yeah, I, I can't see it getting better. I mean, maybe they can learn a little bit, you know, it's the first year. I don't know, in terms of, I'm always thinking of it constantly all the time on how they can, you know, cram in more county games in summer. Uh, the I, I think have the one-day cup in April, because even then, and like really short window, like do all that in three weeks, two weeks, three weeks, but that would still be less degrading than the current second eleven competition that we have. Like the, doing the whole competition as second eleven, just I think is you know you'd been better doing one or two county games in this window, and no more than that, obviously. But you know what I mean, like do one county game in while the hundred was on, and they yeah, so yeah, it's so different and work it out. But at least then you could have county cricket in June, or but then the blast obviously. And last late June, early July, mid July. Oh, I don't know. It's just a nightmare. Yeah, it's there's three kind of key issues I think with the schedule at the moment and how it impacts the test team. So first of all, the most obvious one is the players getting picked for the test team don't have enough reps against the Red Bull in first class cricket, at least in their very recent memory. They're coming into test matches having played predominantly white ball cricket and now coming straight from the 100, which is about as far away from test cricket you can get. So that's problem number one. The second problem is if you want to drop those players who haven't performed in the test matches, maybe it's a Sibley, it's a Crawley, it's a Lawrence. How dare you for Sibley? I'm sorry. Well, Sibley's not actually the best example because I don't believe... Is he on a 100 roster? Technically, yes, but that's because by okay. default, all centrally contract players. Yeah. It makes a mockery of it, but um, as much but yeah, as I okay. love the vicar, he is... Um, He's yeah, not quite he built for that form of the game. Not quite. No, not quite okay. Left. So, yeah, all three of them, or at least two of them, definitely, in um, Lawrence and Crawley, they'll just go back to playing in 100. So, you're not going back to the county circuit and going going around playing championship cricket to refine your technique which the tests have shown that you need to do so that's the second problem and then thirdly we which is what you this is what you've written about and gone on about for a while we don't really know who the best person is to come in so someone like Haseeb Hamid who a lot of people have been clamoring for to get into test team he's had a good resurgence this year for knots it's been a very nice story he's played only three first class games since may which is which sounds like a lot doesn't it <laughs> compared to most of the other batters out the there the problem isn't it but yeah that, that if anyone's going to come in on the top of the order for the second test it will probably be Hasib Hamid well it probably, will be because yeah because yeah, I'm not going to put Ollie Pope and he's the only other batting option and that's the crux of the problem our best option is play just three first class games in the last kind of 
six weeks, and it sounds like a lot, but I want to throw some numbers at you, Matt. I did a bit of research this morning. In the 2009 County Championship, this is just Division 1, there were 12 English players who scored over 40 runs per innings. And I like to use per innings because you can get some funny things with not outs when you use averages. But yeah, 12 English players scored over 40 runs per innings in Division 1. Ten years later, 2019, so the last real comparable season we have to, to 2009 in terms of the format, there were just five English players who scored over 40 runs per innings in Division 1. So gone down by over half. Another interesting one I found, just to throw a few more numbers at you, Matt, I'm nearly done. Back to 2009, 26 players, 26 English players in Division 1 had five or more scores of 50 or more. Equivalent number in 2019 was down to 11. So we've got tangible impacts of county batting getting worse already. I'd say we've got to be careful, you know, on, on pinning things on the 100 because, mm-hmm. yeah, 2019, there was, I mean, just look at all those stats. But yeah, of course it's going to make it worse. If they're intent on having the 100 at the peak of summer, because I assume they want the schools, the kids while they're off schools, then yeah, they're not gonna, we're not gonna get Red Bull game in some. I mean, even in 2019, we still had a, a full round of fixtures throughout June and early July in the county championship. Whereas now they've put the blast then, which is negative for the blast, because um, obviously it's a, a narrower window. So that means that there's less Friday games when they make the money and Sunday games. So that's a separate issue. But yeah, I think that. They need to do the 100 a bit later. So the 100 coming in, it's it's like a it's a ripple effect, isn't it? So the 100 goes in at prime time, because it has to be. Then the blast gets moved forward, and then before the championship gets moved forward, and suddenly exactly. you're playing you're playing eight rounds before the end of May, when it was also freezing cold for May this year. The other option would be like a few like Bumble was saying on Sky, make the one day cup and knockout with featuring minor counties too, like the Gillette Cup used to be. I see the pros and cons of that, but um, yeah, I think the one day cup should be in April because conditions aren't as relevant really. And that still, as I say, be still better than the current one day cup where it's just been decimated, surely. Um, so do that in April, maybe like obviously do a couple of county games in April, that and then throughout May and June, do the county championship and then late June, early July, Blast, then a couple more county games, and then the 100 from like mid-August until early September, and then the final couple of county games. It seems unlikely that they'd ever move the 100 at this kind of stage of its development. It seems pretty immovable no. in that kind of late July and August. Course, three weeks would make a difference. If it was just three weeks later, that would make such a difference to the other... Uh, but they literally want it starting the moment the summer holidays. This isn't a pandemic-created problem either. The 2020-100, which obviously never happened, was scheduled for the same time as the England-Pakistan Test Series. So we'd have been talking about this last summer if, if COVID hadn't hit. How about another potential solution if they're not going to move the 100? Could be you almost create a, another Red Bull competition where it's kind of in between the championship and the sector level where... It runs at the same time as the 100, like the one-day cup is now. And you're playing four-day cricket or maybe even three-day cricket and a one-day game after that if you want. But 
you're playing Red Bull matches wouldn't be first class, but you'd have a, another Red Bull competition for county players not involved in the 100, where although it's not going to be at the same standard as even the championship, they're at least playing longer format cricket rather than spending their time playing either 50 overs or 100 balls. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, just friendlies even. Yeah, yeah, they could play friendlies. You could even argue playing like unis or minor counties, mm. okay, it's very low standard, but it'd be better than nothing. Just, yeah, a friendly against each other um, and a friendly against a uni as well or something. And that's, you know, just a couple of games and that makes a difference, doesn't it? What do you think would be more valuable as a holding your technique for a potential future test career? Facing Rashid Khan in the 100 or facing some random 19-year-old from Durham University? I'd say the in, in, a longer, in a longer format, format in, July, in Red Bull, in, yeah. In July, yeah, in March probably not, but in, which is when that normally, yeah, in July that would be, um, I think that would, it has to be better, doesn't it? It's better than a net session, which is all that Butler would have had for a few months. I, mean, I bet he hasn't really had any Red Bull net sessions, well, based on how he played anyway. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? Another thing that I'm fearful of is when you talk about the very young county players who are just coming through. They might look at the peers of a similar wage who have made it into the 100. We've talked about a few of them. Uh, Blake Cullen, Chris Benjamin's just come out of nowhere. To, you, you might be right, be the best cricketer in the world. But younger county players will look at those players and say, wow, look at them in the 100 getting paid way more than I'm getting paid, getting more attention, more adulation, playing in front of bigger crowds. I, I'd rather be part of that than play county cricket for my career. So I'm going to develop my game from a white ball perspective rather than a red ball perspective. And then it becomes a vicious cycle where from early stages of a player's career, their priorities, scoring quickly and getting all the shots in the boot in the book rather than developing a sound defensive technique, which you need for test cricket. Very good point. Um, yeah. Thank you. Because generally, when you think about specialist white ball players who just go around all the franchises getting far more money, it's more bowlers, isn't it? Um, it's very different skills I guess you know especially like with leg spin but yeah you're right I think I think that is uh, an issue and you can't begrudge them for it really can you um, uh. it's a lot of money to them and I'm glad that players are getting yeah it's probably one of the few positives of the hundred that you know it is it is good for players but yeah you're absolutely right and I'm sure I bet there is evidence of that somehow um, in India or somewhere yeah, their Red Bull competition has been pretty pretty decimated really i think you're almost seeing it already because i think we've compared the england team of 10 years ago the strauss flower team to the team of now quite a lot already today but as crazy as it sounds i think you can look at the team of 10 years ago and the team now the test teams and say there's more talent just pure talent in the current team if you look at players like what butler's been able to do in, in certain formats, best are the same. Obviously, Root's Root. I think if you look, and then if you look at the the kind of 2010, 2011 team, with the exception of Peterson, I wouldn't put any of those batters in the category of real prodigiously talented cricketers, including Alistair Cook. So, mm. Bell, 
Bell, maybe, but it took him it took him a while to to really come through and kind of cement himself fully as um an undroppable player on that side and that and that was because he he played a lot of county cricket in the middle of the season when it was warm and not ten degrees and rainy in July and August. But what some of these players that are playing in a test team have been able to do in a shorter format game, if they'd had the direction from the start of their careers that you will be playing predominantly Red Bull cricket as previous generations were, then this wouldn't be a problem. Mm, I don't quite agree. I know what you mean. And there's probably, I think mean, it does ruin their defensive techniques. Best, though, the obvious one, always getting clean bowled. Butler, you're right. I think you are right with Butler because last year when he only played Red Bull cricket for a few months, he had the best spell of his career, didn't he? So Butler, I think you're spot on there. Could have been a, a good Red Bull player. My point is that yeah. We'll go back to the Jason Roy example. You can't look at what Jason Roy did throughout the cycle leading up to the 2019 World Cup and including the 2019 World Cup and not, conc- not conclude that Jason Roy is ridiculously, ridiculously talented as a cricketer before you start to talk about the different formats. Mm. But he has always been a white ball player. And that's why when he came into the test team, it didn't matter how talented he was. He just didn't have the reps playing that longer format of the game mm. and so I think we see that with skills. other players yeah it's, it's different skills isn't it it's talent you know like Cook some people say was limited on talent but his defensive technique was just phenomenal and his concentration and uh, and his run rate was actually a lot better than people remember it as I think but anyway yeah but you know you talk about players you know think going well I may as well just focus on a white ball career wow I mean England have messed up so much that they actually, when they prioritised white ball cricket, that they were picking people for the test team purely on their white ball skills, which is just not what you do. You know that, I know that, but uh, obviously Roy being the most obvious and most painful one. But Bairstow, let's face it, Butler, mm-hmm. obviously. Uh, R- Rashid was the worst, actually, in terms of principles of he'd retired from Red Bull cricket and still ended up in the test team. That just sends a horrible message to young county cricketers and the 100 yeah it's just going to amplify what the horrible messages that are already getting sent out whether accidental or not that you know just focus on white ball and you'll be rewarded with some sort of financial reward yeah and even if you get financial i look at someone like and there's not many examples of this but moen ali i think is a good example and there's so much conversation about why isn't moen in the test team especially no Stokes, no Wokes, balance of the side is wrong. There's a conversation about why Moen's not playing. And again, you look at what he's doing in the 100, playing really well for the Phoenix. Everyone loves him there. He's a really popular at Edge Baston. And he either, go, he either does that, has a great time in 100, or he goes and scratches around in test cricket where he probably wouldn't play as well, where he's got recent history of clearly not having a perfect relationship with the the leaders of that team. I'm talking about the, the India series and him going to play and then not playing and getting COVID, being stuck in his room, all that stuff. There just seems to be, with the 100 coming in, the motivation for any English cricketer, whether you're an established star of, of the game or a young player coming through, motivation for playing Long format cricket and test cricket is at an all-time lie, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, the fact that everyone's fine to go to the T20 World Cup, but not the Ashes, is also, you know, 
It's um, yeah, and that's again part of the ECB. It, it comes back to the domestic game, in my opinion. It, it, if you neglect the Red Bull domestic game and act like it doesn't matter, how can you expect Red Bull cricket to be taken seriously by young cricketers? No one really would agree with me, but the act that I think winning the World Cup or that whole cycle of white ball priority, I think was just so damaging it arguably wasn't worth winning the World Cup. Most people will disagree, they'll say winning the World and that's I see why that's a hot take of mine. But I personally, you know, we lost the last ashes in England because of it. I think we might lose the next one in England because of it. Um I don't see how we're gonna produce a world class batsman ever again with the current setup. So at what Yeah. Point, I mean who's know? we've talked a bit about Hamid, just like you think of just the county season this year, there's no there's no trot really, is there? It's like, oh, this guy's got to come into the England team. There's just no one. Like, I'm trying to think of the top of my head who's got runs in the county championship. Tom, Tom Abel, but he's injured. Um... Abel, injured. I, I always said Jake Levy, but you can bat with me with Worcester just produce Rhodes. Exactly, no chance. For me, that would be... Um, yeah. Happy to prove him wrong, but for me, that would be a mistake. He bats on a road every week, even if he was... Ridiculously talented to adapt from going from a road to. Well, that's the same with Hamid's because he got runs at Worcester, didn't he? He did. He did. Although um, that he also got hundred against Bumrah. So yeah, although we're both aware, obviously, from covering Warwickshire in that group, all the teams in that group, the batting and bowling average, most teams had awful batting wickets in that. Obviously, New Road was a road. Edgebaston always produced fantastic wickets. Trent Bridge, when we went, was a good bowling wicket, and I think it was most games. Flattened Essex. out. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Uh, Essex away was a horrendous... I think Essex got 200 and we got 160. And they didn't seem far off par at all. I think 200 actually seemed over more than par, which gives yeah. you an idea. And uh, Derbyshire, again, that was... We got 270 on the first day and the players said that was you know, a great score on that wicket. Um, so that group, my point being... Uh, oh, and Durham as well. I mean, we got bowled. You got rolled at Durham, didn't you? Yeah. I was waiting for that one. Yeah. Um, so my point is, in that group, the wickets were terrible, and Hamid was actually so far ahead of other batsmen because like, no Warwickshire batsmen's averaged forty. Hardly any batsmen have averaged forty. In that. I know, not including obviously Worcester getting to play on a road each week, but the other teams. I suppose that is a benefit of the conference structure. You can you sort of net actually isolate stats and stuff more and compare to a narrower but more accurate field. And Hamid, yeah, he hasn't exactly been... Yeah, it's like, oh my God, you have to pick him, look at these runs. But he's clearly shown the mentality of, you know, he has dug in on some terrible pitches, which I think a lot of people maybe probably don't appreciate enough. I mean, the fact that, with all due respect to the legend... The fact that Fletcher's averaging 13 or something with the ball, <laughs> I mean, that, that says a lot, doesn't it? I remember Hamid at Edgebaston, he batted so well. It was the best 35 I've ever seen, and then he left one, left a straight one. Let's talk about the other side of the coin just quickly, Matt, and I'll play devil's advocate for a second. Can you blame organisers for winning white ball games, whether it's Blast or the 100 now, in the school holidays, because that's what's going to make the most money at the end of the day? No, not at all. But the blast they didn't even put in, so uh, they did all that before. But 
I don't understand why the 100 can't be three weeks later and do one county game before and one during as well. And then that, they, that way you've got two, I suppose, Red Bull games in August that way. But, yeah, it is the obvious thing. But at the same time, yeah, is, is it the, the slight benefit that gets the 100 versus the huge detriment to the other comps again it's what we're talking about is it worth betting the farm and in that regard um... should be the name of this podcast shouldn't it really yeah we can't really change it now can we i mean i'm not going back on photoshop and making another no, logo. no. and and your logo is fantastic um thank so, you with the white card very clever it, yeah it all comes full circle doesn't it because that's the question we've we've asked throughout and we talk about all these negative impacts even so indirect from the hundred but again it just comes back to the is it worth it <laughs> is it worth betting the farm plus having all of these other negative impacts of the fact that they have to gamble everything away from betting the farm it's just i'm not very happy as you can tell i'd have never guessed you're your usual bubbly self <laughs> you didn't and... travel all the way from essex to nottingham for to watch that batting performance that's why so well there's some good good indian bowling there seen some of the best i got and to see a broad four as well so at least that oh, made it his heart oh what a man to take a stay with india and take a bit more of a worldwide view of of things does it matter if um our prime time of year is taken up by white ball cricket when all other countries seem to have a similar problem like australia have had this problem with the big bash for a while now they'll They'll struggle in a home test series and it'll become a referendum on is there too much big bash? Does it need, do the do we need more Sheffield Shield games in the in the heart of the Australian summer? India IPL's just taken over there and players are playing less and less first class cricket. So and that'll be the same in for a lot of other Test Nations best players playing across the world and in their own franchise tournaments as well. So why is it just a problem for England? Why do we go on and on about the schedule more than any other country in the world, it seems? I'd assume our climate being less helpful for cricket. Let's face it, British weather has bantered off cricket for every year, for a very long time, uh, and always will. So I suppose that's it, you know. it's it's we're not, We haven't really got ideal cricket conditions, whereas Australia, you can easily have... Um, a bit more flexibility you can't produce conditions that replicate test cricket it's just that bit harder and yeah i suppose it's yeah narrower as well obviously with it's a good question that but yeah i would assume mostly the weather that was going to be my response to my own devil's advocating that in australia in november it's hot as hell and in february it's hot as hell same thing in india it's just always hot Whereas in England, it was snowing in that first game of the season at Edgbaston that we both went to against Derbyshire. And while the weather's still not, not at its best now in August, it's not snowing anymore. It's very different weather. So England in that sense has, maybe with the exception of New Zealand, very unique summer climate in the sense that it is very variable. And there are only maybe a couple of months of the year which you would classify as proper cricket weather that you see in the rest of the world. So, yeah, that's that's a fair enough response. And the other thing I just wanted to get at before we talk about the women's side of things for a bit is 
how much would you be willing to sacrifice 50 over cricket, both on a domestic level and an international level? If something has to give, if the hundred's going to be in the summer holidays, maybe you can still play some Red Bull cricket at the same time. But that would mean that would have a detrimental impact on the 50 over game because there'd just be less of it. So, yeah, how much would you be willing to sacrifice the 50 over game to try and salvage our test match batting? <laughs> 50 over has to exist in some capacity, but not the current capacity because ultimately it exists much like the domestic Red Bull. It's about serving the England team. Well, that's what it's meant to, and that's been lost by the organisers in everything. Um, I mean, they just don't pick on domestic form, do they? But, um, yeah, I mean, obviously, if the 50 over is going to be in the 100 each summer, then, I mean, there's no reason, I suppose, not to have it, because it's not taking up space. But at the same time, it's just pointless. that We're never... It, the point of the 50 over is we need... I mean, look, the Pakistan series two months ago, we called up a team that were very good at domestic one-day cricket and suddenly they won 3-0. The World Cup we won because of a strong domestic game uh, and now they've completely obliterated that. But then on the flip side, you're right, something sort of does have to give uh, and that's why I say do it even shorter, even if it's just knockout or, or whatever, I don't know. Make it shorter but in April because that way you'd still then get a couple of Red Bull games in... Um, in August, but it's, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, can you imagine if they did, like, they just brought the Gillette Cup back? Everyone over 55 would just absolutely love it. I'd love it. <laughs> so when you see an old Wisden and it's like, why are Essex playing Northumberland? And why is there a whole paragraph about it? Just, I've got a lot of views on, on the Wisdoms of decades ago about how weird they are to read. But They're wonderful, though. It's like everyone, oh, never mind. Uh, that that's a real tangent for another day and another podcast probably. And on the women's side of things, it's not a perfect comparison to the male side because there are far fewer tests in women's cricket at this level, but there is clearly an appetite amongst at least England's women to play the longer format. So we had that one-off test against India June, I think it was. And that got rave reviews from all the players. Heather Knight said she wanted to play five-day tests. There was uproar, justified uproar, when it was revealed that the pitch at Bristol was a used wicket. So it feels like women's cricket's in a strange paradox where there's an attitude and an appetite for more tests, but perhaps their greatest hope of boosting the popularity of the game is the 100 uh, women's England women's team rather or all international uh, women's teams they don't play enough test cricket I mean that's you know the main reason I've never really followed women's cricket that closely isn't it's nothing to do with the gender or whatever it's because they've only played white ball cricket it's just 50 over and T20 when I was young I didn't really follow the England men's team in those formats much you know I was a very traditional county fan uh, whereas when they actually played all right sorry but, you know, when they actually have played tests, I always watch the women's tests. They're brilliant. Uh, was it 13-14 when first they actually added it into the women's ashes? I can't remember. That was, yeah, it was the first time of like a points yeah. system, which yeah. they use quite a lot now. And that was brilliant, that match. Uh, England narrowly won. You know, now, part of the hundreds, as I've said, they've decimated all the current women's domestic stuff. Obviously, they got the Rachel Harrison trophy, but the Kia Super League's gone. But also... 
a lot of women's county teams have been, you know, abolished. Like they don't play Red Bull anymore at all. So I don't like that at all because that makes it a lot harder to, for them to actually then produce high quality test cricket. Much like in the same way the Red Bull game decimated for the men has made us have a very poor quality test team. It's sort of the same issue there, I guess. I think all the things we've talked about, about motivation of playing test cricket at an all-time low, that's just exaggerated even further in the women's game. And there is an appetite for women's test cricket amongst the players. But we've talked about just how incredible, in a lot of senses, the 100 is for the women's game. They've never played in front of crowds this big. They've never had these many games on TV. They've never been paid so much. All the things we talk about on the men's side in terms of the benefits of the 100 versus playing test cricket, just they're multiplied by a factor of 10 in the women's game, I think. And then just generally, Matt, if you were to put your 100 organiser hat on, which I know isn't that hard for you to do considering your views on the competition, would you be happy that there's a test match being played at the same time as as the tournament? Or do you think that's going to have a detrimental impact on how many eyeballs are on the new competition? Well, I mean, they want it in the summer holidays. So I suppose that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I've been clear in this. I don't want it in that time slot where it's taking up <laughs> everything. So, yeah, I put the 100 in June because then you've got the blast in July when it's always been and has always worked uh, financially especially and then also also actually I just clocked then you'd actually have the England players available because they're not normally playing in June okay this I mean they put on some pointless ODI series this June but they didn't need to do that so yeah I actually when you put it that way maybe it would be better for them to do the 100 in June also the weather's better in June than August so you've solved it thinking aloud yeah it's it's taken us four episodes but you've solved england english cricket have you <laughs> yeah just, honestly just put it in june <laughs> put it in june county cricket in and yeah then yeah solved county cricket in august 100 in june yeah county cricket in, yeah. Blast in july and august yeah uh which is when test cricket is as well obviously Perfect. and then we'll win the ashes well, yeah, we don't need to do this anymore. We, we've solved it. <laughs> Four then episodes again, is all it took us. Then again, but, I, think, I think we solved very quickly that Jason Roy was not a test player, but they still persisted with that. So sadly, what? they'll ignore me. Uh, and they'll have 100 with those stars in August next year. Well, th- there you go. Episode four in the books and Matthew Grubb has solved all of English cricket's problems. So announce the mace 2023, I think is the, is the only thing left to say. But yeah, Matt, thank you very much as always for joining me. Pleasure. And thank you once again to everyone for listening. We will catch you next week for another episode. Bye.